Here at Cornerstone, uh, we've been uh, kind of working on our mission statement, and and one of the things that you know, if you've been coming here for a while, you know that we're all about uh, working together to make disciples of Jesus uh, who transform their world. And so, when we say that, um, what we're talking about is we really do. Um, the reason we do sermon series like this is we want to help you. We want to equip you. We want to give you the tools you need so that you can study the Bible, so that you can apply it to your life, so that you can transform your world around you. And um, the, the, one of the big things about this sermon series is um, that kind of led to us doing this is we saw so many examples of the misuse of Scripture. Um, and if you don't believe me, just go to uh, one of the Facebook groups like Galax Talk of the Town or something like that, and you'll see people misuse Scripture every day, right? They'll use it to, to justify anything and everything. They take verses out of context. They'll, and, and it's not just there. I mean, you can go online and uh, you can watch preachers um, almost every Sunday, and I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, you're using the Bible, but that's not what it says. Are you with me? I mean, you, you can go on TV, you can go online. There's so many people misusing Scripture because they don't understand how to read it. They don't understand how to interpret it correctly. correctly. So this series uh, is, again, it, we want you to be comfortable in the Word, and we believe that every single person can read Scripture uh, and understand Scripture and apply Scripture to your life. Um, I don't know about you, but... Um, I love living in the mountains. There's something special about mountain life. Um, there's something special about the people here. Um, and, and, you know, when you study history, you see all these famous sayings, that, these traditional sayings, like um, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? The, like the, 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 the axioms that you see from people like Ben Franklin, a penny saved is a penny earned. You hear things like that. But here in the mountains, we take it to a whole nother level, right? We take, I mean, we've got some sayings around here. And so if I say something like, you know, are you fit to be tied? You know what I'm talking about. Or if you're ill as a hornet or you're mad as an old wet hen, you're all riled up, or you got your feathers ruffled up, you're all worked up, you know what I'm talking about, right? Or... If I say, you know, I'm fine as frog hair, but I'm worn slap out after church. You know what I'm talking about. You can understand that. Now, you can say, I mean, they're saying, like, I don't have enough room to cuss a cat. Now, where did that saying come from? I don't know. I want to cuss my cat a lot, but not because I don't, I, I just, you know, or are you better listen up because I don't chew my cabbage twice. Y'all heard that one? I don't chew my cabbage twice. You better listen up. Or, you know, all that, it don't matter. That doesn't amount to a hill of beans. You know, all these things we got. Or, or you know, that kid over there, he is knee-high to a grasshopper. Yeah, I mean, you hear all these. We've grown up, and I, 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 I just want to write them down sometime because there's so many. Jennifer and I were talking about this that, that we've heard that I've not heard anywhere else. And if you're not from around here, you're like, what are you talking about? But I'm telling you, your grandparents from around here, they had some sayings, didn't they? Because it's all the, the wisdom that's been collected and passed down from generation to generation in, in the Appalachian Mountains. So I love it. And there's a lot of superstition there, too, and a lot of weird stuff, too, in, in the mountains. But we won't go there. But I'm just telling there's there's something about wisdom that is passed down. 
And the ancient Israelite culture had the same thing. They had wisdom that was passed down and shared. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the thing is, we can understand that because we're in that culture. We, we've heard it. We can apply it. We, we've heard it in context so we know what it means. And the same thing is true for the Israelites when they heard the Proverbs and, and when they heard uh, different things. They said, oh, okay, I, I understand that because it's part of our culture. So when we're reading it, we have to uh, kind of step back and make sure we're understanding the context and the culture before we pull out a single verse and start applying it to everything. And, and so really, that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. There are three Old Testament books that are called the wisdom books, uh, traditionally. It's Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. In addition, the number of the Psalms. Uh, are, are concerned with wisdom, so they would be grouped in today as well. And then, in addition to that, there's a book called the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon uh, that's a, a love story in the Scripture that, that also is a wisdom book. So those are the five books we're going to talk about today. Uh, so last week, Austin did an incredible job taking you through the historical books. Uh, so already we're like halfway through the Old Testament in three weeks. This is crazy. I mean, we're going fast. But again, we're giving you the tools you need uh, to be able to, to apply these uh, scriptures to your life. And so these wisdom books, they apply uh, the practical insights. They give us godly wisdom and they help us. Uh, they include prayer, songs, poetry, wise sayings. And they all teach us about how to live a wise life. Uh, there's all these books. Job uh, is an incredible, incredible book. It shows the struggles you face as you seek to follow God in life. And it teaches that you can still praise God even when you lose everything and you don't understand what's going on, that God is enough in the midst of your suffering. That's, that's the book of Job. Psalms, they're the songs of the church that express the uncertainty of life and remind us of God's faithfulness. The Proverbs, they're the blueprints for daily living. It's the wisdom that helps us make godly choices and leads us to a good life. Ecclesiastes shows us that the world is not all that it's cracked up to be. Life is not always fair. Its meaning is often unclear, and we are only here for a short time. And everything else this world has to offer is meaningless compared to knowing God. Um, Song of Songs is this lengthy love song, a ballad about romance, written in the style of ancient Near Eastern uh, poetry. Uh, and so it's kind of a lyrical wisdom, and it reminds us that we are loved. And, and all of these books um, point us back to Jesus, right? Uh, from the Bible Project, we've been using this saying that all the, all the books of the Bible, right, the Bible is a unified story that leads us to Jesus. The Bible is this unified story that leads us to Jesus. So everything from Genesis to Revelation is ultimately about Jesus. So when we read it, I loved how Austin kind of talked about this last week. It's not about us. It's about God. And so we don't take our, the stories we read and the illustrations we read, and we're not the hero of the story. Instead, we've got to look and, and find how God is moving and working and then see how we can join him in that. And so I love the Bible Project has a lot of great videos on these books. And uh, I love the kind of the illustration. They said Proverbs is this, this wise teacher. 
It's full of wisdom uh, that, that's sharing it with it. Ecclesiastes is like this middle-aged critic <laughs> that looks at life and is just very cynical. Uh, Job is the weathered old man who has seen a lot, uh, been through a lot, and is reflecting on what he has learned. And that's kind of a good illustration of these wisdom books. And that, that kind of is where we're going. So, uh, again, uh, these books, they're full of wisdom. It's been passed down from generation to generation. Um, and, and so what we typically see, especially uh, in the, the, the Proverbs, where, where, where's, uh, that's where we're going to be kind of staying most of the day. Uh, the Proverbs, that you see this kind of pattern. You see an exhortation. Um, and so you'll see something like, my son, my child, here's what you need to know. And, and there's a lesson that they give us. And then there's a conclusion based on this. This is how you should live your life. And so uh, there's always this concluding line about how wisdom will keep you safe and give you abundant life. And there are all of these speeches. And so what we do is we learn from this wisdom. And we're going to be talking about wisdom, though. We need a good working definition. And so here's our definition of wisdom for this. It's wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. That's the easiest way to describe what wisdom is. It's not intelligence. It's not the accumulation of knowledge. Um, there's a lot of ways we kind of think about wisdom. But what wisdom is, it's the ability to make godly choices in life. It's not something that's theoretical and abstract. It's very personal. It's very real. It's very practical. And so wisdom exists when a person thinks and acts according to the truth uh, when they make choices in life. And so when we read the Old Testament, what we see is some people have more wisdom than others. And they're sharing it with us. And so they're called the wise. And then on the other side, there are people who are called the foolish. Uh, the folly, the, the fools. And, and it's not like they're unintelligent. They just choose not to live according to God's plan and God's desires. And so that's kind of the wise versus the foolish. And so in a very real sense, wisdom is all about how we view life in, in kind of light of all these choices we make. We, we, we make so many choices each and every day and when to get up and, and what to do and what to eat and, and, and what to read and what to watch and, and where to go and uh, what to wear. And every day we make really, I mean, you think thousands and thousands of choices and your, your life is a result of the, the sum uh, total of all of those choices. We had a teacher that always said, you know, life is full of choices. You make them and then you live with the consequences. And there's a lot of truth to that because we make all of these choices and sometimes we think, oh, this choice, it won't hurt anybody, but we don't realize that it's pulling us away from godly wisdom. It's pulling us away from godly obedience. We're not making wise choices. And, and so often I would say that, that we ask the wrong questions because we say, can I do this instead of should I do this? Um, there are things that we do that, we, that aren't wise. Yes, you can do them, but it's not a wise choice in your life. And so uh, I think with our kids, they probably heard that a lot. It's like, well, is that a wise thing to do? Is, 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 that, a, is that really what you need to be doing? And, and so 
what we do when we learn from these books, we learn about these, this idea of biblical wisdom. And so wisdom literature, it really, it, it focuses on people. It focuses on their behavior, how successful they are about making godly choices. And so the book of Proverbs is the primary book we're going to be looking at today. I'll jump in a few other places and pull some, some other stories out for context. But we, let's just jump right into God's Word this morning by looking at how Proverbs opens up. In Proverbs chapter 1, uh, the first seven verses. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. And, and just to step back, we know Solomon was a wise person. We know that when God told him, kind of, you can have anything you want, Solomon asked for wisdom, and God granted it to him. So uh, these are the other Proverbs of Solomon. It said their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Okay, and so we see that this concept of the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. And, and this doesn't mean that we kind of step back and cower in fear of God, but it does mean we know who He is, right? We, we understand how to approach Him. We understand how powerful He is. And so the very first step then in biblical wisdom is actually knowing God. If you want to be a wise person, and I, and I hope you would, I hope you would answer that. Yeah, I want to make choices full of wisdom. I want to be a wiser person. Uh, then the very first step is knowing God. Not knowing about Him. Not just knowing facts about God or, or knowing trivia about God. No, it's really, truly knowing God. It's, it's having a relationship with Him. It's, it's knowing who He is, why He came, and why it matters to you. And so this passage lays out a comparison between the wise and the foolish. And the foolish are simply those who reject God's teachings and continue to live life as they please. I read this in a commentary. It said, We read in Proverbs that the Lord has given wisdom literature to reveal true wisdom and to provide instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice, in equity. The emphasis on our need to know in our reception of the words of insight indicate that what the Lord has revealed in these wisdom books, it's not trivia, nor is it information that never needs to penetrate into the core of our being. Instead, the readers and hearers of wisdom literature are to pay close attention to it, studying these wise sayings so that they come to a deep understanding of what it means to live wisely or to live well. And so that's what we do. We read these so that we can become wise. And so when we read uh, one of these proverbs, these wise sayings that we see, this purpose is to bring us back uh, to honor God, to worship Him, to, to understand God's plan better. Their main purpose is not to explain how everything in the world works and to give us a deep theological 
you know, explanation of the world. Their, their purpose is to help us follow God. And so the book of Proverbs is full of these short statements that help lead us to be more obedient. And so God reveals his wisdom to all of us, to humanity, through all of these creative forms so that we can make decisions that please him. And that's really what wisdom literature is all about. We read this to help us learn how to follow after God. But that kind of leads me to my next point. Anyone who seeks to apply God's truth uh, daily and learn from their experience can become wise. And so this idea of people who are wise, it's not like there are some people born wise and some people who are born foolish and there's nothing you can do about it. No, anybody can become wise because, again, it's not based on your IQ. It's not based on your education level. It's not even based on how much knowledge you have. It's based simply on can I learn from God's word? Can I apply it to my life and can I follow after him? And that means every single one of you can become a wise person. Now, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask how many of you think you're wise, right? Because I, I mean, I for one would be thinking I've made a lot of decisions that I would not put under that category of wise decisions, right? Pretty much anything that begins with watch this is not going to be wise. Watch this. You want, I wonder what happens if I, no, don't do it. Just don't do it because that's not a wise decision. Um, but anybody can become wise when they l- apply God's truth to their everyday life and they learn from their experience. Now, what's interesting as we read through these books, the, the Hebrew word for wisdom is the word that's used to describe a skilled craftsman, someone that has learned their trade and has become uh, very proficient, has, has, has become an artist, even, so to speak. So when we read that, it's someone who has put in the work and learned a skill. And that's what wisdom is. It's someone who has put in the work and, and the discipline, and they make the right choice day after day, even when it's unpopular, even when it's hard. And they take the, the choices in life and, and they, they do the right thing. And, and so students and, and teachers alike in the Old Testament times, what they did is they used all of these literary techniques to, to make the truth stick. Right? And they used repetition. They used alliteration. They used all of these things. So these sayings are short and memorable and powerful because we remember them just like our Appalachian sayings, right? There's some, some weird, quirky things, but when you hear them, you remember them. And, and so that's what these Proverbs are. They're meant to be repeated. They're meant to be memorized. They're meant to be applied in everyday life. When we jump to Proverbs chapter 3, I would say this section is really, uh, this is summarizes the main theme of all of the wisdom books, really, in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, my child... Never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Uh, this, this kind of points me back to the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 that we talked about two weeks ago, right? Uh, those commands that we learn, that we think about them when we wake up and when we lie down and when we go down the road. And, and that's what it's kind of referring back to here. Um, 
Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do, and He will show you which path to take. Uh, that's one of the, you know, one of those scripture passages that we've heard over and over and over again. And, and it's so powerful. And it keeps going, though. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. And, and so what we read here, this verse 5 tells us that the heart behind any of those wise decisions is to trust God. We got to trust him. And I think that's what gets us in trouble. We say we trust God, but when push comes to shove, so often we're like, I know God says this, but I would rather do this. That's leading down the road away from wisdom and into foolishness. Every time we do that, every time we say, okay, God, I don't quite trust you. I'm not really ready. You don't know who I am. I really can't do what you've asked me to do. I've not read enough. I've not shared enough. I've not studied enough. I'm too shy. Whatever excuse, however we rationalize it, we get ourselves in a position where we don't really trust God. But if we want to be wise, we have to trust Him even when it doesn't make sense. And this is where it gets hard. This is where it gets hard because our day-to-day experiences uh, are tied to our ability to make decisions and assess the consequences of those decisions. And so when we trust the Lord fully, it means that, hey, we're gonna, we may not have all the facts we need to feel good about this decision, but this is where God is leading me, so I'm going to trust Him with that decision in life. And then in verse 6, he says, when we acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways, he is the one that will direct our path. He is the one that's going to show us the next step to take. He is the one that's going to reveal to us his will one day at a time, one decision at a time as we need it. And again, because we don't trust God, we get frustrated because we want to know, okay, God, where am I going to end up 10 years from now? I want to know the destination, and then I want to work out the details of how I get there. And, but God says, no, that's not how it works. You trust me today. You trust me with this decision, and you'll end up where I want you to be, and I'll give you the information as you need it, but you are not the one that's in control. And that means we have to trust God. And so, again, this is the wisdom literature just keeps reinforcing that idea. Uh, We see this in practice in the book of Job, another wisdom book. And uh, this was key in the book of Job, where we hear the story of this man who experienced so much loss. He lost everything of value, and it was all within a short time. Uh, All of his friends were telling him, you just need to curse God and die. This is crazy what's happening to you. But the only way he was able to mentally and emotionally handle these events was, to, was that to trust God had an ultimate plan other than what he could see. He, he couldn't see it. He didn't understand it. He even questioned God about it. But he just had to trust God was working in a way that he, couldn't, he, he could not understand or see. And, and that's really the story of Job. Um, in, in Job chapter 1, just at the beginning of the story, 
read it. It says, Job arose, he, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell to the ground, and he worshipped in the midst of losing everything. He said this, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all of this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. You know, sometimes it's interesting to learn the, the, the history of the worship songs we sing. And, and there's a song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord, right? He gives and he takes away. Where did that come from? It came from Job right in the middle of him losing everything. Now, it's easy to praise God when things are going your way, when your job is going great, when your kids actually do what you ask them to do, right? When you get a raise at work. But how do we praise God when we lose our job, when our kids are disobedient, when, uh, uh, you know, we're not getting along with the people we work with or whatever it is where we're having marriage trouble or you just fill in the blank. You, it, it says here, this is what wisdom li literature teaches us, in everything, we can still praise God. In everything, God is still working. In everything, God is trying to help us make wise decisions that honor Him. And so all of this is we see God at work. So I want to give you kind of three guidelines today for reading wisdom in the Bible. Three guidelines that will help us kind of, uh, as we go through Scripture, as we go through these five wisdom books uh, that will help us make good decisions about what we read and how to apply it. Um, the first, uh, we've already talked about a little bit, but it's understand the beginning of wisdom. Uh, if, if we want to read the wisdom literature and in, in, in the Bible, we've got to understand where it comes from. And again, we read this earlier, Proverbs 1-7, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This term, fear of the Lord, uh, comes up over and over again. And, and you've probably heard, well, that, that means a healthy respect of God. And I would say, yes, that, that's definitely part of it. It's respecting God. We shouldn't like cower in fear and be so afraid of God that we don't, he, we, that he's not like waiting just to zap us every time we mess up. But fear of the Lord, I think, goes far beyond just a healthy respect. It's knowing who God is. It's recognizing that God is God and that you're not. It's recognizing how powerful God is. It's recognizing how mighty He is, how holy He is, how all-knowing He is. And, and yet, in all of that, He still wants to have a relationship with you. It's understanding how big God is and how small we are in comparison. And, and again, we get into so much trouble when we think we're smarter than God. When we've got it all figured out, when we say, well, this is how the world should work. Let me tell you something. If God designed and created this world, he has the right to lay out the conditions. He has the right to lay out the, the directions, the commands on how it should function and how it should work. It's not up to us for debate. Amen? If he designed this world, he gets to say how it should function. And so, uh, with that being said, it, that's the beginning of wisdom. It's that fear of God, knowing that He is God and I am not. And so, there's so many places within the wisdom books that specifically teach on what it means to attain wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 says this, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. 
knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. And so here we see, uh, again, that the most important trait to have when we seek wisdom is this fear of the Lord. To fear the Lord, is, it's, it's to show reverence for Him due to a proper understanding of how great He is. And so those who fear God, you understand His capabilities. You understand that He is the one that is in control. And we allow Him to direct our lives as a result of it. You want to understand how, how to fear and respect God? Um, one of the stories in the Old Testament that just, oh man, every time I read it, it's like the, the, every time I read this, it's in Job at the end when Job questions God. When I read this, I'm like, oh, you did not just do that, right? And you, you know, when Job starts questioning God and saying, God, who are you? To, and, and God just like says, wait a minute. And then there's like five chapters of God just laying Job out with Job. Let me tell you who I am. I love this. And, and, and it's just kind of like one of those moments like, okay, God, you got his, you got, got his attention. You got my attention. Um, and, and so let me just, Job 38. This is after Job kind of said, well, God, why is all this happening to me? I don't understand it. I don't like it. The Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined the, its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst, for, burst from, the, from the womb? And, 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 and as I clothed it with clouds and, and wrapped it in thick darkness and... And that's just the start. He goes on for five chapters. And Job, long chapters of just laying out, this is what it means. This is who I am. This is, that, that's the fear of the Lord, right? That Job is understanding this fear on a very practical level. It's like, I question God. Now God is really demonstrating His power to me. His holiness to me. It's understanding again that God is God and I'm not. And I need to respect Him. I need to worship Him. I need to honor Him because of who He is. That's the beginning of wisdom. Finally, Job replied to the, to the Lord in, in, in Job 42. And, uh, and Job replied and said, I know you can do anything. And no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It's me. He's like, raise his hand. It was me. I'm the one that did it. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I'd only heard about you before, but now, now I've seen you with my own eyes. Now I know you, right? And I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. This is wisdom in action. Job right here is learning who God is. And, and the end of the story is that God never answers his questions, but God does bless him again. And I'm just telling you, even with wisdom, we may not understand what happens to us in life and why it happens. We may not understand. We may not put the pieces together this side of heaven. But we can trust that God is still moving and working and that God still loves us even when we don't understand the, the, the circumstances in our lives. 
And, and again, it's, it, it's, that comes from knowing who God is and, and who we are. And so it begins from that perspective of understanding that God is real, He's alive, He's active, and He loves us. So that's the first thing we need to, to learn about wisdom. The second thing is we need to understand that Proverbs are not promises from God. I think this is some of the most misused uh, part of Scripture that I see. People pulling a single proverb out and using it to claim uh, you know, a, a promise from God when that's not how it was, was meant when it was written. Life doesn't always work out the way we expect it to. And what we see is that wise people generally will have better lives. But there is no guarantee of that. There is no guarantee. What Proverbs does say is that all things being equal, there are basic attitudes, there are basic patterns of behavior that will lead a person to grow into a responsible adult, to make wise decisions. But these are not legal guarantees from God. And so a proverb is this brief, this memorable expression of a truth. And, and I'll just say that the shorter the expression is, the, the less applicable it is on a broad basis, right? So it may be a short saying. It doesn't mean it applies in every situation. But it's a general, uh, it's a, it points us in general wisdom and truth. So let me give you some examples. Proverbs 16.3. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. I've seen people misuse this and say, well, I, I, I want to do this, so I committed my plans to, to God, so I know that I can't fail. I know I can do anything. What did we just do? We just did what Austin talked about last week. We inserted ourselves and made ourselves the hero of the story, where it's all dependent upon us and not God. That makes sense? So instead, we've got to realize here, right, that you, uh, th th that, you know, God may say, okay, we may commit our, our, our actions to the Lord. And he, say, he may tell us, you know, that's not really my plan for your life. The timing's not right right now. We need to get on the same page as God so when we commit our actions to him, our desires match his desires. But, you know, but the, the truth, the wisdom here is that when we truly follow after God, we're walking with him, we're listening to him, where he's working in our life and, and he leads us to do something and we commit our actions to him, then our plan will succeed. Absolutely. But there's all these kind of conditions. We can't pull out something and claim and make it applicable to everything. It kind of leads to a prosperity gospel, a name and claim it uh, gospel, where we say we can do anything, we can receive anything just because we've committed it to the Lord. So that, that's one example. Uh, let me give you another example. Proverbs 19.4. This is kind of on the flip side. Wealth makes many friends and poverty drives them all away. So if you take this verse and apply it and say, well, okay, wealth makes many friends, then I need wealth. All right, I, I need wealth and, and, and poverty is a bad thing. See, that's, this is what happens when we pick and choose and pull verses out of context. Now, this is actually pretty good wisdom. If you win the lottery, you're going to have a whole lot of friends. Right? If you win some money, you come into some money, I guarantee you're going to have friends and family you didn't even know you had. Everybody wants to be your friend. But why? Because you've got money. They, they want something from you. That's the point of this proverb. 
It's not something that we try to strive for and attain. It's pointing out the human condition. When you have money, people will like you, but they will like you for your money and not for who you are. And and the, the biblical wisdom behind this is it's more important to have a relationship with God, right? It's more uh, to put our faith in God instead of people or, or instead of finances, or instead of wealth. And so, again, so many, so many things that we could pull out. And I could keep going. There's so many examples in Proverbs that people pull out and misuse. But uh, that, those are two good examples. Here's the third thing. We need to understand that all of this wisdom literature, it makes more sense when you read through it completely. These were not meant to, you know that the chapters and verses were added much, much later. When these were written, they were written as letters, as books. And so uh, when, when these were written, they were made to be read together. And so, again, if we take one little section out, uh, you may not understand what you're reading because you're not looking at everything in, in light of everything else. So, um, let me give you an example. One of the most troubling books to read, and I think misunderstood books, a lot of people avoid it because they just don't understand it, is Ecclesiastes. Again, uh, kind of written, uh, you know, Thomas Solomon here, and th- this is kind of this whole book of wisdom, but it's a whole book pointing out, I've tried everything in life and nothing brings fulfillment. Nothing brings meaning. Ecclesiastes 3. Uh, this, is, this is like the tone of Ecclesiastes, for people and animals share the same fate. Both breathe and both must die. So people have no real advantage over the animals. How meaningless. Both go to the same place. They came from dust and they return to dust. For who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of the animal goes down to, to earth? So I saw that there is nothing better for people than to be happy in their work. That's our lot in life and no one can bring us back to see what happens after we die. This is kind of depressing. This guy's like... You know, I don't know what happens after we die. We just have to work. We, we live. We, we're born. We live. We work. We die. That's it. And so if you take that, and again, I said earlier, Ecclesiastes is like the cynical, middle-aged critic that's just looking back at life with cynicism. Uh, if you read this and take that out of context and say, well, this is the truth from God. Yes, it's inspired by God, but it's here to teach us a lesson. Right? And so if you look at Ecclesiastes as a whole, you understand that it's from the perspective of someone who seeks to know purpose apart from God and doesn't find it. And at the very end of the book, in in Ecclesiastes 12, this is how uh, the last two verses of the book, it says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So at the very end, it kind of pulls this all back together and says, okay, this is what I've learned. That's why it's important to read all of this together. And so, kind of to to wrap all of this up, we need wisdom. We need guidance. We need God to help us make decisions in life, but we've got to trust Him. We've got to quit trying to do it on our own and do things that we think are going to work out. We need to start trusting God's plan and trusting who God is and that He loves us, He cares for us, He has a plan for us. In the book of James, I want to close with this. This is what James says in the New Testament. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask Him, 
be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the, by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. This goes back to fearing God, understanding God, knowing God, walking with God. And when we do that, He's going to show us which path to take. He'll give us the wisdom we need. And so I want to challenge all of us. Let's, let's, when we read Scripture, let's read it so that we can make better decisions. So that we can grow closer to God. So we can have a relationship with God so that He can lead us into to obedience. Let's, let's not read it as a list of, okay, I've got to do this, this, and this, and I can't do this. And, no, let's read it as an invitation to know the God who created us. Let's read it as an invitation that God cares enough about us, that He left us with all of these different parts of Scripture that we can use and apply to our life today. And so with that, I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning. So much in your word that, that we can learn from, that we can apply, that we can use to help us follow after you. And as a church, as we strive to, to make disciples, and, and a disciple is simply someone who learns, a student that learns to follow after you and, and teaches others about you, Lord, I pray that we, I pray that we will learn to better understand all of Scripture. That we will not be afraid of reading it. We will not be afraid of understanding it or, or applying it to our life today. And Heavenly Father, it all starts with this relationship with you. And the New Testament, we said all of Scripture points to Jesus. In the New Testament, Jesus is the revelation of, of wisdom in the flesh. He came to show us how to, to live this life we live. He lived a perfect life and then he went to the cross to die on our behalf. Lord, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for your love for us. And Lord, I just pray that each and every person here would be able to, uh, to proclaim that you are their Lord and Savior. So today, Lord, as we close, as we worship you, help us to acknowledge who you are. Help us to, to, to view you as the holy, the righteous, the powerful God who loves us and who created us. And help us just to honor you with that. It's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.